This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Merry Christmas, everybody. Go ahead and grab a seat. It's great to be at church this morning. I want to say a special welcome to all of those of you who have ventured out and come to New Life for the first time. Welcome to our church. Welcome to this family of believers Uh, I believe you're going to have a great time this morning. I believe you're going to be challenged in some things in your life in a very good way. I believe you're going to be encouraged. And most of all, I want you to connect with God. So welcome along on that journey. My name is Ron. I'm one of a couple of teaching pastors at New Life. And uh, it'll be my privilege over the next few minutes to teach you out of God's Word. And uh, so I just want to get us uh, all going in the same direction. So if you will take your programs, and from your programs, if you pull out a single sheet of teaching notes uh, and fill in the blanks as we go along, it'll give you something to refer back to uh, later on this week, and I want to encourage all of us to do that, because uh, you'd be amazed at how much more applicable what you're going to learn in the next few minutes will be in your life, and how much more life-changing it will be if you pick up that sheet of notes at least once during the week and you read back through it. All the scriptures I'm going to be leading us through this morning are on there. They're all printed out, so you can read right down through it. All the main points that I'm going to teach this morning are also covered there. The second thing I I would like for us to get out is this long, skinny card. It's a Connect card. Uh, I've already said to you that um, my major goal for all of us this morning is that we would connect with God. And connection is a huge deal. One of our jobs as a church, our main job as a church, is not to get you to do the right thing. Our main job as a church is to get you connected with God. Because if you get connected with God, the right things will take place in your life. Because He can do for you what I can't do for you as a pastor, and and what no church can do for you as a church. There are things that only God can do in your life. And I don't want you to miss out on them. So the best way that, uh, the way that that all begins is we have to be able to connect with you. That's why this is called the Connect Card. On the front side of it, down here at the bottom is a place for you to put your name and your contact information. If you come all the time, just put your name down there if we already have your contact information. But if you're new to New Life or you haven't yet trusted us with your contact information, then I would ask you this morning to put your name and the contact information down there so we can come alongside you and partner with you in helping you get connected with God. Then on the flip side of the card, if you would turn it over, at the very top, uh, there's a section that says, I would like to volunteer on a team that. This is a church that everybody serves in, not because we twist people's arms, but because it's natural for people to want to serve. Uh, God made us that way. And uh, there's lots of wonderful ministry and service that goes on uh, in the life of our church. And there's some places, some very general areas that you could could check one of those little circles there, and we will get with you and help you get plugged in. One of the great things about New Life is you can actually test drive serving in an area. And that means you can sign up for it, you can serve in it one Sunday morning or one Tuesday evening, whenever that ministry happens to function. No strings attached. 
And if you serve and you really like serving in, in that particular way, then we can get you on board on a regular basis. If not, we would encourage you to test drive a different one until you find an area that works for you uh, and that you just love serving people in. So that's where that all gets started. At the end of the service, Kevin uh, will tell you what to do with those. But for right now, you can just hang on to those. It's Christmas time. I know you know that. And we, we have lots of warm, fuzzy feelings connected with Christmas time. But the truth is, virtually all of us are going to have our kindness tested somewhere in here. Have you noticed that? Some of us have family gatherings and there's, um, well, in every family tree there are a few fruits and nuts. You probably noticed that. And sometimes they don't carefully weigh what they say or how they say it or when they say it. And that can really test our kindness. And some of us are going to go to Christmas parties at our workplace and we're going to have to rub shoulders with a supervisor we don't particularly like. And, and the supervisor may have one or two too many. You know what I'm talking about? And therefore, be even less careful in what they say than they normally are. And we're, we're, the truth is, some of us, maybe several of us, maybe many of us, right here this morning are going to shed some tears in the Christmas season. And it won't be because somebody gave us a beautiful ring. The truth is, now I hope, that we get beautiful rings and some other things that may help us shed the good kind of tears. But the reality is that some of us are going to have to deal with some really awkward situations. So this is a really practical time for us to learn about this wonderful Christian virtue of kindness. And this morning, we're going to look at it through the life of one of the characters in the Christmas story. Okay? And he's, I have to tell you right up front, he's one of my new Bible heroes. I, I realized I had never actually looked at life through his eyes. And I want to take you on a journey through his eyes. So let's go straight to Scripture and let's start reading about the story of Joseph. Here's how the Bible says it. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man. If you're a circling and underlining kind of person, just circle and underline, Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man. By the way, at the end of your life, when your relatives are gathered around your casket, and they're standing next to your gravestone, wherever it may be, wouldn't that be a great thing to have on your stone? I would want my family to be able to say, Ron was a good man. Genuinely good. Or, if you're a lady, whatever your name is, was a good lady. Here's how this all played out in Joseph's life. So he didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement. Circle the word quietly. We're going to come back to that word. 
going on, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And look at this. And Joseph was the one who named him Jesus. Now I know many times we've looked at this story through the eyes of Mary and the inconvenience that Mary went through knowing that she was going to become pregnant. Everybody was going to assume that she had slept with Joseph and all that stuff. And yet she realized that she had a choice to accept that and become the mother of the Son of God or she could turn it all down. And she said, I'm in. But I want you to think for this morning, I want you to think about Joseph who in many ways was not given the choice to be all in. He was just in. I want you to think with me about that first conversation when Mary came to Joseph. And I know some people in this room have had this conversation. But she comes to Joseph and she says, Joseph, I'm pregnant. Now, for most of us, when you find out your fiancé is pregnant, that's trouble enough right there, right? That's more drama than you really wanted in life. But the part of the conversation that I want us to focus on this morning is when Mary says, Joseph, I'm pregnant, there's one thing that Joseph knows for sure. It wasn't him. Because he knows for sure he and Mary have never slept together. Some of us in this room have had that conversation where our girlfriend or our boyfriend or our fiancé or our spouse has come to us and said, I need to tell you something. Or they didn't tell it to you. You discovered they had slept with somebody else. And you want to throw up on the spot. And your heart is hurt beyond belief, way down into the core, because you're dealing with, all of a sudden, what you thought you could count on, and what you had banked on, and what you were sure was true, turns out not to be true. A person that you felt safe with two minutes prior, you don't feel safe with any longer. Someone from whom and for whom you felt great love. Now you feel rejection and betrayal and distrust and pain and hurt and regret. As Joseph begins to process this, he realizes that Mary has not only hurt him, she's brought shame to him. Because now all the preparations that he's put into this marriage and all the hopes that he had had have turned to just pain and the fact that he's going to have to cancel the marriage and the fact that when he cancels the marriage, everyone in his town is going to go, what's up, Joseph? And Joseph has to begin 
to explain what's up. And his family and all their friends and the shame of being rejected and all those things. Now in the middle of processing all of that hurt and all of that rejection, Joseph makes a decision. By the way, I can understand why the wise men would come and find Jesus. Who wouldn't want to follow a moving star? That's pretty cool, don't you think? I can understand why the shepherds would come and find the baby Jesus because who wouldn't want to follow what the angels had said when the angels had said, unto you a child is born this day and it's right here in Bethlehem and you're going to find that child wrapped in in swaddling clothes or blankets and you're going to find him in a manger. He's Christ the Lord. I can understand why some shepherds would say, forget the sheep, we're going to find the shepherd. We're going to go find the Savior. I can understand. They saw angels. I can understand why Mary would be all in because the angel was very clear to her up front. You have the choice to become the the, the mother of the Son of God. Joseph didn't get any of that. He's got his fiance saying to him, I'm pregnant. Now listen, that's never easy news to get. But what happens when you get that news and you get it in the form of a lie? Joseph is here. Mary is here. Mary says, I'm pregnant. Joseph knows, I didn't do this. And and he says, okay, who'd you sleep with? She goes, God did it. Joseph must have looked at her and said, how dumb do you think I am? That's insult on top of hurt. Her story is so preposterous, no one in their right mind would ever believe that story. And yet Joseph has to formulate a response. And in the midst of no angels and his fiance saying that she's pregnant and apparently lying to him about it, you know what the Bible says? In the midst of all that. But Joseph was a good man. I'm pretty sure that most of us would not, that wouldn't be the next thing that would come out of anybody's mouth if we were in that position. But Joseph was a good man. Now listen. Every other person in the Christmas story, we know what they said. Do you realize Joseph is the only one in the Christmas story who wouldn't have a single word recorded? Not one. We know what the shepherds said. We know what what the wise men said. We know what Mary said. We know what Joseph said. Even when Jesus was taken into the temple, there was was a, a man there by the name of Simeon. We know what Simeon said as he spoke a blessing over Jesus. There was a lady there who's a prophetess. Her name was Anna. We know what Anna said as she blessed the baby Jesus and 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 Joseph and Mary. But we don't We don't know a single word Joseph ever said. You know why? Because sometimes the best lessons are not in what we say. They're in what we do. And by what Joseph did, he showed amazing kindness. Without the help of an angel, without a moving star, Joseph, on his own, decided to be kind to Mary instead of exposing her to what he knew 
she had done. It said he decided to break the engagement. What was the word we circled? Quietly. You know what that means? That Joseph decided to break the engagement and not tell anyone that Mary was pregnant. He took the shame on himself and came up with some phrase probably that just wasn't going to work out. So Mary and I decided to go separate ways. I hope and pray in my moments of the most pressure and the most angst and the most sorrow and the deepest hurt, I would hope that I could be good like Joseph. And my prayer for all of us, not just in this Christmas season, but my prayer for all of us is that God would work in our hearts so we could be good. And when the pressure is on in our life, that what comes out is goodness. Now, as I read through that passage, I realized, oh my goodness, I need to know, how does that kind of kindness work? Because I want that kindness in my life. And I want to be able to live that out. And as I began to pray through that, God took me to the teachings of Jesus. And in the teachings of Jesus, there are actually three levels of kindness. And so we're going to learn about those three levels of kindness. And the first level, which we'll call, obviously, level one, is kindness for kindness. Here's how Jesus said it. Jesus says, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, is that kind? Shake your head like this. Yes, that's very kind. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will what? They will invite you back. That's just kindness for kindness. And he's going to comment on that, on that later this morning. But friends, all of us understand this. This takes no special work. This takes no sacrifice because you give and you get. All in the same as we talk about returning in kind what we have given. That's level one. Now, the next verse, Jesus breaks out level two. Here's what he says. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. So level two, what these people all had in common is they couldn't put a banquet on for you because they didn't have the resources. So this is kindness for no kindness. It's not that these people aren't kind. It's just that they don't have the opportunity to be as kind to you as you have been to them. This is a great level. This is a good level. Because it's at this level that we begin to experience unselfishness. You can be selfish and do this. But this requires at least some level of unselfishness. It requires some level of sacrifice. And Jesus said, if you want to grow in kindness, then, then you start working here. This is a great place to grow in kindness and in unselfishness. You're going to be kind to people who don't have the opportunity to be kind back to you. But Jesus addressed a third level of kindness, and it's the one I want to deal the most with this morning, because it's the deepest level of kindness, and it's kindness for unkindness.
This was the level that Joseph had. Because from all he could tell, Mary had been very unkind to him. She could not have done anything that would have hurt him more than to do what she did and to deliver the news that she delivered and apparently lied to him about it. Jesus said it like this, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Now, in that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. And then he illustrates what it means. For he gives his sunlight on both the evil and the good. Aren't we glad that when we have been unkind to God, he doesn't cease to be kind to us? You and I stood to our feet just a few minutes ago, and we sang the song, Not for a moment will he forsake me. And some of us have cursed him. Some of us spent more years using his name in the wrong way than we have in the right way. And yet in the midst of all that, when we were cursing God and using his name inappropriately, did you wake up to continual darkness every day while your neighbor had sunlight because your neighbor went to church and was using God's name correctly? No, not for a moment did he forsake you even when you didn't like him. Now, Jesus calls us to be like our Father. He goes on to say, and He sends His reign on the just and the unjust alike. Now, He comments on this level one. He said, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there in that for you? Even the tax collectors do that much. And I don't have time to get into their culture, but in their culture, tax collectors were at the very bottom. Some things never change through the ages, right? All right, moving on to the next screen. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans, that's people who don't follow God, people who have no faith. Even pagans do that. Everybody gets this. And then he makes a very interesting statement. He said, you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, you can do one of two things with that passage. You can go, okay, I'm out. That's not within the realm of possibility for me. Okay? I would suggest you don't take that option. Because the word that's used for perfect there actually is a word that, that it means a variety of things, one of which is it means complete. And I believe that's the use that Jesus is using it. You are to be complete even as your, your Father in heaven is complete. You know what Jesus is saying? He's approaching, he's talking about the subject of kindness. He's saying, if you have only level one and level two, you are missing an entire level of kindness. You are incomplete. But you are to be complete like your Father in heaven. Because he has all three levels of kindness. He is kind for kind. He is kind for people who have expressed no kindness to him. And he is kind for those who haven't even been unkind toward him. Now that's how kindness works. 
But there are two truths that you and I should know about kindness because they become very important if we want to grow in kindness. And the first truth is this, and that is kindness is built and tested here. You're not going to build and test kindness up here, okay? This is purely obligation. This is pure reciprocity. Here you could build it teeny, teeny, teeny bit, but actually you can do this from a, from a position of superiority. We've all seen people who are, quote, celebrities who throw money at a cause because they want to photo op and they want to look good. And in the process, I'm not saying all of them, but in the process there are some who give kindness for no kindness purely and simply out of sympathy or pity or even a photo op. You can do this from a position of superiority, but friends, you cannot do this. You know why? Because this always begins with something that's been unkind done to you. And now you have to respond. All of us have this thing in us that when someone has been unkind to us, what's our first and most natural response? Oh yeah? You wait till I get done with you. In the Old Testament, it was called an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And, and, and as the statement in the, in the old musical Fiddler on the Roof says, you know, if the whole world operated that way, we would all be toothless and blind. Because the real problem with that is we're not usually satisfied with one tooth for a tooth. We feel better if we could get two teeth for one, right? Of course. Yeah, and by the way, when we do that, does it do good things in our heart when we take vengeance and revenge? You feel like a better person? No, in the moment you feel some release, but when it's all done, you have a hard time looking in the mirror and really respecting that person. This is where kindness is tested and built. And my prayer for all of us this Christmas season is that as we walk through it, we're going to have opportunity after opportunity. You're just going to be pushing your cart down the aisle and somebody's going to bang into you while you're shopping. You're going to be pushing your cart down the aisle and you're going to be heading for the last whatever it is on the shelf and someone is going to take it while you watch. You're going to be pushing your cart toward the shortest line at Costco and somebody is going to horn right in in front of you. I've said to you many times that I often get tested during the week or the week after in what I'm going to do. A great store, so don't take this negative about this store, but I was at Cash and Carry, and I was getting some stuff for the ladies' Christmas tea, and the guy said, okay, I'm ready for you, and I walked up to his line, and a lady came in from the side and said, hey, I don't think my receipt is right. And so he started working with her on a receipt, and people were going around me and getting waited on, and I 
sat there, I stood there and I waited and I waited. My wife was waiting for me in the car, thinking I was just going in to pay for things that had already been put together and I was going to pay for them, put them in the car and we were going to go. And after about five minutes, which when you're standing right there and no one's helping you, that's a long time, right? I see this guy over here, nobody is there. So I finally decided, okay, there's no one else in line, so I'm going to take my goods and go over there. I take my goods and go over there And while I'm doing that, another guy runs right in front of me, and he waits on that guy. On the inside, I was going, twice? How many lines do I have to go to in this place to get waited on? And then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, what would Joseph do? But Joseph was a good man. And in the midst of the most pressure and hurt and disappointment, he decided to do what was good, what was kind. And somehow saying to Joseph, but I've been crowded in line on twice. How's that stack up, buddy? Somehow I felt like he would say, Come again? That's pressure in your life? Yeah. You know, it's all built here. And when we learn this Christmas season, when someone has been unkind to us, we have an opportunity to take a step up the kindness ladder and to do what is good and kind. Not weak. I'm going to go over that in a minute. Not weak. Do what's good and kind. Or we can do the aggressive thing or lift the carpet and sweep and pretend it didn't happen and that's not going to help you either. Or, or, or we have the opportunity to go down the kindness ladder. My prayer is that all of us will choose to take a step up. And at the end of this Christmas season, we will actually be kinder than we were when we started it. The second thing we need to know about kindness is this. And that is our hearts are kept tender and strong by kindness. I don't have time to lay it all out for you. I just put one passage of Scripture up here. But if you were to follow the concept of kindness throughout the entirety of Scripture, you would find that kindness is almost always connected with a word called tender. Here's how Paul put it. Paul said, be kind to each other. What's the next word? Tender-hearted, forgiving. Oh, so how did this start? This started with somebody getting hurt, right? Because in order to be kind and tender means we have to forgive. Forgiving one another. And then he says, oh, by the way, how should we forgive each other? Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Is that mark fairly high? And is it fairly inclusive? It's both, isn't it? Yeah. When you work with steel and metal, there's two kinds of, of, of steel. There's, there's steel that's been tempered, and it's very strong, and it's very hard, but it's also very brittle, and it actually breaks easy. And then there's a kind of steel that's called flex steel. 
And flex steel is what airplanes, the frames of airplanes, it's some sort of a flex metal. And that is, it has the ability to give and flex without breaking or bending. Okay? It comes back to normal. It has that property built into it. If I could tell you that tenderness is what enables the human heart to bend and flex during tough times, but to spring back to where it needs to be. And it's kindness that helps us develop tenderness. It's what keeps us from breaking when people do bad things to us. And it's what actually makes us strong, not brittle. If you want to have a strong heart, and you want to have a heart that can endure anything, then you choose to be kind. And as you work on kindness, and by the way, the best place to work on kindness is when someone has been unkind to you. Okay, So you're going to have opportunity to work on that during this Christmas season. You know what I know? If you and I work on that, and kindness becomes part of who we are, not just a behavior we put on for a season, then it will be Christmas all year for us. Because like Joseph, people will say of us with complete integrity, so-and-so was a good person. I mean, deeply good. Kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, strong. You know, it, it took a strong man to make the choice that Joseph made, right? Very strong. Someone well-grounded. I think that's why God chose Joseph to be Mary's husband and to be the earthly father for his son because he wanted someone kind and strong who knew what was right and who would choose in the midst of the worst time in his life without the help of an angel. Now the angel came to him later, but without the help of an angel or any external guidance, someone who would make the kind and good choice on his own. I pray that we are like that. Now in this in this sermon, we took a look at God. And Jesus said, I want you to be like your heavenly Father. And we're going to transition into a time of communion. But I want you to understand that communion is about the kindness of God. In fact, I want to read it to you from Titus chapter 3. Here's what the Bible says in Titus chapter... I skipped a whole section. Did you notice that? Let's go back and take that section, Okay. Because I know that this leaves a question on the table. And that is, how do I know what's kind? I don't always know what's kind. Jesus laid it out in a statement that actually needs no explanation. Even a child knows this. And if you've ever raised children, I don't care if you've never been to church, I bet you've said this to your kids. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. He said, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. How many of you have ever said that to your kids? How many of you had parents who said that to you? All of us. 
It's called the golden rule. It, it's not, it does not say, do to others what they have done to you. It doesn't say, do to others before they do to you. It does not say, do to others what will teach them a lesson. All the things that we rationalize doesn't even say do to others what they deserve. It's pretty simple. It is the kindness rule in the Bible. You want to know what's kind? Just ask yourself, if I were in their shoes, what would I like someone to do for me? And then do that. That's what God did for us. Now back to Titus chapter 3. It said, Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and we became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. By the way, can you relate to any part of that? Yeah, you can. I know you can. I can. That's all of us. But God our Savior revealed His, what's the next word? kindness and his love and he saved us not because of the righteous things we had done if god hadn't lived by the golden rule if he had given us what we deserved the whole bible would have a different tenor to it not because of the righteous things we have done but because of his mercy he washed away our sins giving us a new birth and a new life through the holy spirit He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior because of His grace, He declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Friends, the kindness of God starts in Genesis chapter 1, the first book in the Bible, and it goes through the end of the book of Revelation, the last one in your Bible. The kindness of God is through it all. And the kindness of God is expressed most tangibly in the gift of His Son, Jesus. And that is what Christmas is all about. God giving His Son to us to live with us, to teach us, to heal us, and then to die for us. In communion, we remember all that stuff. And we say, thank you, Jesus, for coming as the kindness of God. We have communion tables set up around the auditorium, and we're going to do communion a little bit different this morning, but it's, it, I want it to be so meaningful. Okay, As the worship band plays and sings, I'm going to invite you to, to stand up, uh, if you want to, and go to one of the tables and, and take communion yourself. If you're not at a place where you feel like you're ready to do that, Just stay where you are and think about how good and kind God has been to you and how he wants to grow that in your life while the rest of us proceed to the tables. And we we eat the bread, which represents the body of Christ, and we eat and we drink the juice that represents his blood that that spilled on the ground as he gave his life for us. I'm going to pray. The worship band's going to sing. And then as you feel that, you get up and go partake. Father right now in this moment of time we're just overwhelmed with how kind you have been to us in the gift of your son 
we worship you, we bless you, and we thank you. Lord, would you grow us in your kindness that we too can be your children who are kind even to those who are unkind to us. We bless you now for being kind to us in the midst of our unkindness to you. We take this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.